At the CNN Town Hall, I hosted with presidential candidate Chris Christie in June. The one-time New Jersey governor suggested that the former president might skip the first Republican presidential primary debate, as multiple sources now tell CNN he is planning to do. Christie said back then that doing so would give him, quote, a free lane to go after the former president, and that once he did that, Christie predicted the former president would be at the second debate. The former governor is depending on a strong showing in New Hampshire to give him momentum in the race. Our Omar Jimenez caught up with Chris Christie in Florida, who had his sights trained not only on the former president, but also on Governor Ron DeSantis. I do know that you have a couple of candidates who live here. <laughs> do we want a president who is focused on your problems, or do we want a president who will be spending his time trying to fend off the next criminal trial? Just days to debate day? Chris Christie is in Miami and the home state of former President Donald Trump and Governor Ron DeSantis. I'm here because we need to talk about these things. And I'm not conceding that conversation to Ron DeSantis. And you can be sure I'm not conceding that conversation to Donald Trump. It's been a theme of the Christie campaign, blasting Donald Trump. The front runner for our party's nomination is going to be out on bail in four different jurisdictions. <laughs> But Christie also used the Florida setting to go after its governor, Ron DeSantis. People are really beginning to wonder what the hell he stands for. He honed in on a recent memo from a pro-DeSantis super PAC floating potential debate talking points that included defend Donald Trump, though a DeSantis campaign spokesperson stressed it wasn't a campaign memo and they were unaware of it prior. The only way to, to beat someone is to beat them. If he thinks he's going to get on the stage to defend Donald Trump on Wednesday night, then he should do Donald Trump a favor and do our party a favor. Come back to Tallahassee, endorse Donald Trump, and get the hell out of the race. CNN has reached out to the DeSantis campaign on Christie's latest comments, but hasn't heard back. Recent polls have shown support for DeSantis slipping, but he's trying to project confidence going into the first debate. I'm excited about doing it because most of what you do uh, in this process is is filtered through uh, through media uh, and seldom do you get the opportunity to speak directly to this many people. What are you hoping to accomplish with this debate that you haven't so far to this point? I get seen by more people. I listen to the question. I try to answer it. And if somebody else says something on the stage that I think is really stupid, I try to point it out. That's about the, that's the depth of our strategy. It's an authenticity that seemed to resonate with some voters who attended Friday's town hall. He does speak his mind, and I find that really refreshing in a presidential candidate. Even for some independents who were there. Everyone's afraid to say anything, and he actually got it, he spoke his mind. Which Christie also plans to do on the debate stage, as his campaign feels momentum is on their side. The people who are going to vote for me feel strongly about it, and we're going to increase those numbers. Governor, how is this different from 2016? When you do stuff for a second time, at least for me, I always do it better the second time than I do it the first. I feel really relaxed and comfortable, and I know I'm speaking the truth, and I think that's going to matter to people in the long run. Omar, how is Chrissy responding to the news that former president is likely to skip the debate? Yeah, so even when it was just a possibility, he said that doing so would be disrespectful to the GOP party that's made him their nominee twice and to Republican voters. But as sources have told CNN that he's planning to skip the debate, Chris Christie tweeted that, surprise, surprise, the guy who's out on bail from four jurisdictions and can't defend his reprehensible conduct is running scared and hiding from the debate stage. Trump, certified loser, 
verified coward. And of course, they've gone back and forth uh, over the course of this campaign. Christie hasn't been shy about attacking Trump. Trump has called Christie a, quote, sad, pathetic slob. We can probably expect that to continue. But regardless of all of that, a senior advisor to the Christie campaign has told me that in these first two months, they feel that the Christie campaign has gone about as well as it could be to this point, And they hope to continue that momentum and forward progress as we, of course, get to debate day, where Christie doesn't just plan to show up. He plans to really shine once he's on that stage, regardless of whether Trump is there or not. All right. Omar Jimenez, appreciate it. Thanks. Mark McKinnon, a top advisor to both uh, George W. Bush and John McCain presidential campaigns, is now columnist for Vanity Fair, joins us tonight. So think it's wise for Trump to skip the debate, Mark? I don't. Uh, you know, any candidate that I've ever worked for over the course of the years, Anderson, uh, either was anxious for a debate or uh, wanted to avoid a debate. When, but whenever they wanted to avoid a debate, it's because they were worried that they weren't going to do well. It, it, and, and voters, it's an expectation that voters have that that's just the price of admission for for running for president. If you want to be president, you got to get on the stage, even if you're a former president, uh, maybe especially if you're a former president under indictment. But I think Trump will regret this decision because it's the hottest spotlight. It'll be the hottest spotlight in the world next week. All the attention will be there. And I think he'll watch it. He'll think, I could have cleaned their clocks, and he probably would have had he showed up on the stage. Uh, but it's going to be exciting to watch Chris Christie. I mean, he is a human wrecking call. And if Trump's not there, I do expect him to go after uh, the next uh, the next biggest kingpin on the stage, which is probably Ron DeSantis. And it was interesting. He talked about the power of authenticity, or your reporter did. And I think that's a really important commodity in politics these days. It's very powerful uh, when you can do anything that comes across as authentic. And the problem for Ron DeSantis is he now has that memo out there where, where so that now anything that he does that reflects anything that was in that memo is going to look like it was scripted. And believe me, Chris Christie will point that out, just as he did against Marco Rubio in the famous debate where he put him in a microwave and melted him. Does it damage Christie, though, not to have Trump on that stage to, to you know, hammer directly and sort of elevate himself? I don't think so. I think Christie can just say, I, he's not here because he's afraid of me, because I'm the only one speaking truth to power. And, and, and that's why he hasn't shown up, because I'm taking it to him. And uh, and I think that right. I'm not I wouldn't be surprised if Christie's right that he shows up for the second debate. DeSantis recently made news when he was pushed in an interview, finally said that Biden won the 2020 election. What he wasn't asked, which is probably the more important question, is if he admits the election was free and fair. If all the candidates are asked that on the stage next week, as they should be, I think, do you think they'd dance around it? I mean, obviously not like the Will Hurds, Asa Hutchinson or Christie. Well, I think it'll be interesting, Anderson, because I think increasingly what you're going to see Christie's certainly on it. DeSantis has started to show a little bit of leg on this notion, too, which is that Trump is a loser. Ultimately, the way that they're going to beat Trump, when they know there's a lot of loyal base supporters out there, is to say, listen, we know you love the guy. He's our tribal chief. He did a great job. But because of all the legal problems and everything else hanging over him, he's not the best general election candidate to go, against, uh, go up against the Democrat next year. And increasingly, I think we'll see that between now and Iowa, that that he's going to get underwater and that he's increasingly going to be seen as somebody who's going to lose the general election. So by, you only amplify that debate by saying he actually lost in 2020 as well. He's a loser. And if you're the former vice president, if you're Pence on that stage, I mean, you try to lean into the Trump criticism, which he's kind of been doing lately as much as Pence does that sort of thing. I think Pence is kind of having a moment here in the last few weeks as the, as the indictments stack up. 
uh, and the legal proceedings become more of a shadow blotting out Trump's son, uh, there's more there's more emphasis on the act that that the constitutional act that Mike Pence did. And I think he's starting to feel that a little bit. And I think increasingly he's going to lean in on that. Uh, as the legal problems get worse for Trump. I, I know you believe that, you know, once the weight of Trump's legal problems sinks in, voters will start to abandon him. He is on his fourth indictment and is still crushing the rest of the GOP field. I mean, in national polls, <clears throat> excuse me, he's only trailing Biden in a head-to-head -head matchup by one point, I think, in the latest Quinnipiac poll. When exactly do you foresee any kind of tipping point being reached? I think it's already started, Anderson, and the key is not to look at the national polls, but look at Iowa. Iowa's going to come first, and whatever happens there is going to affect the rest of the race. And if you're an incumbent president, if you're if you're a president, a former president running to get reelected again, and you lose Iowa, believe me, that's going to be a huge black eye. And it's already softening. His support's already softened in the last week or two, and increasingly, as the fourth indictment has come down, it's looking that that, that there are problems, there are problematic signs in Iowa. And and listen, if Iowa goes south on Trump. Then it's the man who would be king. They see the blood. They see he's mortal. And then you could see his support evaporate pretty quick. So, uh, so I mean, where do you see his support softening? Well, I see it in Iowa. I mean, yeah. you've seen it in the data in the last week or two. And, and you see that he is now under 50 in Iowa. Uh, Ron DeSantis, you know, despite his problems, is still at 20. And uh, Iowa voters take this very seriously. And they're, they often make their minds up at the last minute, and they move quickly and listen, Trump's problems aren't going to get any better between now and then, so it's only going to get worse. So I suspect that things are soft in Iowa. Uh, Trump has you know, got problems with the governor there. He's got problems with other people who are not endorsing him. Uh, and, and Iowans are not going to be happy about that. And so mm. when they look to the general election, they'll be very strategic and say, this may not be the best guy to go up against a Democrat next year. Mark McKinnon, great to have you on again. Thanks so much. Thanks,